Hi, and welcome back to Game Time Podcast with your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. So Carson Wentz has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to break down every side of that trade, along with also offering some of our thoughts and opinions on the Matthew Stafford for Jerry Goff trade that transpired just over a month ago. What do these two trades mean for the rest of free agency, for the rest of the trade market? We're going to get into all of that and more. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's game time. So, Shai, let's start with the big news, the most relevant news. And that's Carson Wentz being traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick this year and a conditional second-round pick in 2022 that can become a first. Now, in order for that second-round pick to become a first, Carson Wentz has to do one of two things. Either he has to play 75% of the snaps – Offensive snaps, to clarify. Or he has to play 70% of the snaps and the Colts have to make the playoffs. So if he does just one of those two things, that 2022 second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. So, Shai, this trade broke just yesterday. What What was your first reaction when you saw it? My first reaction, I was, I don't want to say I was shocked um, or surprised, but it, it kind of felt like, you know, the anticipation had been building and building and to kind of see the trade go through. And, you know, it's not the Chicago Bears who are getting all the hype, Alex. Now it's the Indianapolis Colts who come in. So, and there was talk about, you know, this first-round pick being included, you know, and the Eagles have, you know, unworldly expectations for the return and to see a third and a conditional second, that can turn into a first, as you mentioned. Um, not in 2021, not this draft, but next year. So that was an interesting to just kind of evaluate that return. Um, but I really I really do love the move for Indy, just uh, thinking about it. You have that connection with Frank Reich um, for Carson Wentz. You're getting that guy. You have confidence that you can make him... Uh, maybe not 2017 MVP form Carson Wentz, but again, we were talking about this before the podcast. Even just top 20 or so, that should be enough to make you, you know, one of the best teams in the AFC. So it's gonna just it's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out, as well as the fact how do you compare him to Philip Rivers, who I think had a, actually a really underrated season this year, Alex. No, Rivers, I think, did play probably slightly above expectations, and he had a bit of an up-and-down playoff game, but overall I thought he played a really uh, played a pretty all-around good game against the Buffalo Bills. This trade didn't really surprise me. I saw it. I kind of... Momentum was building toward a deal getting done. It looked like it was coming down to the Bears and Colts, and although both teams have a connection to Carson Wentz. Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, was Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator when Wentz was having his MVP caliber season. And the Bears, on their offensive staff, they have John DeFlippolo, John DeFlippolo, who was the quarterback's coach for Carson Wentz during his near-MVP winning season. So both these teams did have previous relationships with Wentz, but Wentz did not want to go to Chicago. Or more so, he really wanted to go to the to Indianapolis. 
And I think potentially Chicago may have been willing to get into a bidding war for Wentz. But I just don't think after the fact that Wentz wanted to go to the Colts, they didn't want to get into a bad relationship with Wentz. They didn't want Wentz to be unhappy where that whole relationship uh, goes sour. Now the whole trade explodes in Chicago's face. So I think Chicago, I think, was going to be willing to get into a potential bidding war for Carson Wentz. But I I think after they realized that, no, he wants to get to Indianapolis, that's kind of where they dropped out. They didn't even end up making a formal offer. But again, I think if Wentz was just as willing to go to Chicago, I think they definitely would have. As you said, I don't think he can turn back the clock to his 2017 season where even with the torn ACL, I still thought he should have won MVP that year. But I think he can be in the 12 to 15 range, possibly even higher. I think that might be pushing it a bit. But I definitely think as soon as this year, he can become a top 12 to 15 quarterback because you just look at some of the plays he made early in his career. There are just not that many people on the face of the earth that can do the things that Carson Wentz can do. So I think Frank Reich, he knows what made Carson tick. He knows what got him going during his early great years in Philadelphia. And you look at the situations across the NFL, there are not that many situations better than the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to have a great defense. They're going to be well coached. And the offensive line is one of, if not the best in the NFL. Now, there is a stat out there, I believe it was pass block win rate, that actually did have the Eagles ranked ahead of the Colts, but that's only one number of many. And I think you just look across the offensive line, the Colts' offensive line is better than the Eagles' offensive line. Colts do have to get one of their tackle positions figured out with Anthony Costanza, Costanza retiring. But I do think that whether it's through free agency or the draft, I think that will be figured out. And I think the Colts are going to come in this season again with one of the best offensive lines. They don't have a true number one receiver, at least coming into the season, but I really like what I saw from Michael Pittman late in the year as he will continue to develop. So I really like what the Colts offer, even at receiver, even if they don't have kind of an elite top tier guy. I think, you know, this offense, I think, could look a little bit like what the Eagles were. Maybe not to the extent, but what the Eagles were in 2017. So, again, Colts offer, you know, so many, just such a great situation for any quarterback that's kind of struggled or has lost their way. So, I that's why I also brought it up as, you know, a potential situation for Darnold when, it, you know, when before we knew that once was even going to get moved. So, We'll talk about Donald later, but I just really like the situation that Wentz is going to. Wentz, I think, might be the biggest winner out of you know any team or player in this in this big trade. Yeah, I think we agree there. We love the situation for both the Colts and Carson Wentz. To give you another stat, Alex, to kind of counter the one you gave. About- I, I mean, I wasn't trying to make a point that the Eagles have a. I think the Colts have a better offensive line. I'm just saying that. There is a stat out there, there is a number out there that does favor Philly's offensive line. Despite that number, though, I, I very much think the Colts have a better offensive line, and uh, I don't think there's much room for debate. While Carson Wentz was playing, how many times do you think he got sacked? In his, in his career this season? This season. I know there's a lot. 
I don't I'm trying to think twenties. It's an absurd number. Fifty? Yes. I believe yeah, it was see, 50 I better, sacks. See, that was one thing. I had the number fifty in my mind, but I was thinking this season that can't be right. I know, that's what I thought too. I still could be wrong, but that's probably what I heard. Fifty sacks Carson Wentz absorbed. The Colts gave up, I believe, nineteen on the whole season. So there's, you know, their offensive line, although you mentioned Anthony Casconza, they they can still use that first-round pick that they have that they did not give up to address that. There should be some good left tackles there. We'll get into more of our draft podcast later, but um, I do like the Colts situation a lot. You know, it'll be interesting to see if a guy like Zach Paschal comes back. I really like his development this year. And Paris Campbell should be interesting to see how um, he takes steps, but they do have some nice receivers there, as you mentioned, even if they don't have a true uh, number one guy. And they still do have some cap space, so the Colts and Carson Wentz are in a good spot, and they should be very competitive, both in the AFC South and in the AFC. So the Colts, obviously their on-field product is incredible, and if they were not, if they did not make another move... I would still say they're one of the best situations out there for a quarterback. But Chris Ballard has been one of, if not the best general managers over these last few years. The way he's drafted and constructed this team, they still have ample amount. You know, they still have their draft picks. They haven't had to give up too many picks. They've handed out a big contract here and there. They're going to pay Wentz. DeForest Buckner is going to make a lot of money. But they still have a ton of cap space. If they want to go and sign a left tackle, they can. If they want to go sign an elite receiver, they can. They have the they have so many resources that they can maximize. So I mean, Chris Bowers has done an incredible job. So I think before we do jump to conclusions of who won, who lost this trade, even if you think Philly may have gotten the best of Indy, I think we really have to give Bowler the benefit of the doubt just because of his track record and what he's done up to now has been incredible. I remember last year when he traded a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner and then signed him to that massive four-year, $84 million extension. I was skeptical. I thought Buckner had like one, this one great year, and that was kind of it. I was very skeptical. But Ballard, again, Ballard proved me wrong there. Buckner has really unlocked something. He was unbelievable with the Colts last season. Now, they are going to have to pay Darius Leonard. He's in his contract year. And Quinn Nelson is also eligible for an extension. So they are going to have to start paying some of their homegrown talents. But they definitely have the money for that. And they definitely also have the money if they do want to add another top-tier free agent at another position. So I think they're going to continue to build just a really fundamentally sound all around, really good football team in Indianapolis. And I think the pieces are there for once to get back to, again, maybe not as 2017 form, but a form of the top 12 to 15. I think that's very much uh, in the realm of possibility. So, that's kind of the Colts position. We both kind of think that if Wentz plays like we think he possibly can, then I think they could be the greatest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. Let's kind of talk about this now from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective. They got the third round pick in this for this upcoming draft, and then they got the second round pick that could turn into a first for the 2022 draft. 
a lot of people have bashed the Eagles for this trade, but I don't I don't hate it for them. I really don't hate this trade for the Eagles because it was a relationship that I don't think could be repaired. It was not going to be repaired. And I know they fired Doug Peterson, but there's a report today that at some point during the season, there was an eight to ten week stretch where Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz just did not talk to each other. So I just, the relationship had run its course. A change of scenery was needed for really both sides. You know, Wentz had to get out of Philly. Philly, I think, just needed a breath of fresh air. So I think a third this year, and then potentially a first next year, I think it's actually a solid return for, for Philly. Because, you know, there's a chance that, you know, Wentz could obviously succeed and be great again. But I don't know if he would have ever hit his peak again with that organization, with the personnel in place. Yeah, I don't think, you know, Philly got fleeced or anything like that either. Um, I was almost a little surprised when I heard, you know, a first round pick would, you know, likely be a return. Um, and I, I could see why, you know, we both recognize the potential that Carson Wentz has. But then again, you look at the regression this year and... You know, Frank Reich's got to be confident that he can make make uh, Carson Wentz confident, take away those mental issues, those fundamentals that, that he just wasn't clicking for him. So I think it's, it was more about, one, the this, this, this situation, and, and two, the fact that after, you know, a season where he, he, had, he struggled so mightily that, you know, a first-round pick in return... That's that's a lot to to you know garner up. So, I I do think that the Eagles got a solid return. Again, if this pays if this pays off for the Colts, they will get their first round pick. So, I I do think it's a solid trade for Philadelphia. Again, as you said, the relationship had run its course, and it was time to to part ways. They didn't exactly have the leverage here. I think NFL executives knew that, even if the Philadelphia Eagles management was trying to play it down. I very well could see this being a win-win trade. Because I don't think, if let's say one succeeds and is great in Indianapolis, and maybe they even go to a Super Bowl. I don't think that you can say, oh, well, this could have been you, Philly. I think the only maybe the only way that could have been Philly is if they never let Frank Reich take the head coaching job in Indianapolis. I don't think Wentz was ever going to get back to where he was. Also, I think like I think he let the Philly media get to him. He heard the outside noise. He tried to tune it out. He couldn't. And then you know he heard the you know Nick Foles chant and Nick Foles led him to the playoffs or not to the playoffs but through the playoffs through a, or to a championship in the playoffs, and then you start, you know, once he had a couple bad games here and there, and he admitted this, he was trying too hard. He was pressing, trying to, you know, trying to throw, what, a 100, a 100 almost like a 110-yard touchdown, which obviously can't happen, but he was just trying to do way too much, and I think Frank Reich will kind of help him calm down, settle down, get back to the just type of player, maybe not, again, from a specific a results perspective, but I think just the caliber and type of player that we saw earlier in his career, because even his rookie year, I remember that was a great, that was a very good year for Wentz, and I remember he started the year 3-0, and I remember he beat Shire Pittsburgh Steelers in, in a really big upset, 
And then, you know, the Eagles kind of trailed off, but it was like the sign of things to come. And then obviously next year they win the Super Bowl. But I think, like, again, if you're Frank Reich, you've talked you've talked it over with Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard's confirmed, like, do you think you can get this guy back on track? So I actually do think that it's probably going to – I think almost getting out of Philly is half the battle. I think he's out of Philly, new teammates, completely new situation. He, you know, it's not now mistake after mistake after mistake where he's now trying too hard each and every time. It's clean slate, fresh start. You can start from ground zero, and I think that that that's gonna I think just be huge for Wentz with its own right. And again, I think if, you know if you can get that first round pick and a first and a third for a guy who I don't know if he would have ever been the same guy in your system in your organization. I think that's a very good return for the Eagles, especially because there just weren't that many suitors out there. I mean, again, maybe Chicago. But I think again, as long as Wentz didn't want to go there, the Bears were not gonna were not gonna pursue him as hard as I think we once thought. So I, I could very well see this trade being a win win for both the Eagles and the Colts. So Shai, you know, I'm going through this and we kinda touched on it before the podcast. The AFC South I think might have, at least right now, the most interesting quarterback situations, I'll say, of any division. You have Wentz, who I think he might have the widest range of outcome, maybe across the entire NFL. You have Tannehill, who's kind of made his own resurgence. You have the Texans, and, you know, will Watson be the quarterback at the end of the season? Will he be traded? We have no idea what's going on there when that, you know, dumpster fire uh, of a mess, really. And then we have the Jaguars who are the first overall pick. And, you know, it's expected they will take Trevor Lawrence, even though there are reports out there that maybe not every team has Lawrence at their quarterback one. It is still expected Lawrence will go number one overall. I think the AFC South is the most interesting quartet of quarterbacks. Do you agree? What say you? No, I mean, I think they, they certainly do have a very interesting... That's something I hadn't thought about before you mentioned it to me, but um, now that you think now that I think about it, there are um a lot of interesting quarterback situations. I think Wentz might be the most interesting, as you said, because of those uh wide array of outcomes. Um, but I I also you know I think I would push back and say I don't know how interesting you know Ryan Tannehill's situation is. I think he had a has had a resurgence the, for the sure. Kind of situation as of now, has gotten probably a little more boring, which is, I guess, what you want at the quarterback position. But no, it's you know, a nice story of how he was a backup, and now now he's becoming one of the better quarterbacks in our league. For sure. Um, but I, I, I do think these, these are an interesting, uh, uh, interesting quartet of quarterbacks, as you put it. Um, I think the Deshaun Watson situation could get very interesting and and perhaps even more interesting after he's traded, um, depending if 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 it's a guy like Tua Tagovailoa is coming in, or if a guy you know, someone else if they if they are drafting a quarterback if if they trade they're getting trading up or something that could make it an even more interesting situation there for the Texans. But I agree. I think the AFC South is shaping up to be a competitive division at the top. And an interesting division on how the Jacksonville Jaguars and 
the Houston Texans are going to rebuild from the ground up. Obviously, one of them has a much easier path than the other. Right. Let's kind of go back to those Eagles. I know you were bringing up kind of we were we were just kind of te- texting back and forth when the trade first broke. You were saying, do the Eagles take a quarterback at six overall? So I'll let you start. If you're Howie Roseman, are you taking a quarterback at six overall? And, does, and do we see the Eagles go from a North Dakota State quarterback to another North Dakota State quarterback with Carson Wentz to Trey Lance? Yeah, I was about to ask you that. I I don't think – if I'm Howie Roseman, who's I think should have been fired at this point, but, um, you know – I think Jeffrey Murray might have some significant say because I think Roseman is definitely on the hot seat. Right. Uh, I think, you know, there's reports that they're buddies and whatever. I understand that. I guess this is his last draft to prove himself. I think you have something in Jalen Hurts. And I know it's a very controversial subject. You know, some people are saying, oh, he had really only one good game. And, you know, uh, he, you know, what else did he show? I, I really do think he, he showed poise. I think he would have beaten Washington football team to game on the line. I, I said this to you. I think he would have beaten them. And I think the Giants would have made the playoffs. If, if, you, if You did pick Washington, but... I did pick Washington to win the game, but... But that was after Philly basically rested their entire offensive playmakers. Exactly. And even with that, I thought if Jalen Hurts didn't go to the bench, the way the game was trending, I thought Philly would have won. I, I truly believe that. I think Jalen Hurts showed poise. I think he, he is a little raw, but I think he can develop. Um, I, I think he can make most of the throws. And I I would be excited to see how he progresses. And I think you have something there. And I think the rest of that team is just completely in utter shambles. That it makes sense that you don't necessarily need to know if Jalen Hurts is your quarterback of the future right now. I think you can evaluate him while you get the rest of this team back in order. And if he's not the guy, then you address that then, and you can plug in that quarterback when you need to. But if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm not taking uh, a quarterback, even if it is to get another North Dakota State guy in there. So you said you want to draft a quarterback. Would you bring anyone in to at least compete with Jalen Hurts to almost, you know, just see maybe how does he do under pressure? How does he do in a competition? Or do you just give a guy who's just coming into his second year in the NFL, here, here are the keys, here, you know, you're at the helm. Which way do you pass? Which way do you go? Because I almost think at least some healthy competition can be good for a young up and potential up and coming quarterback. I'm so glad you asked that because I have just the guy. The Eagles should go out inside Ryan Fitzpatrick. I knew you were going to say that. That is who they need to bring in. I think it's the perfect kind of bridge duo. You know, you're not tied down either of them. And it's in, 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 along with, you know, he along with the fact that he kind of will inject, you know, although he's an older guy, he injects an infusion of life and culture in, in, into that team, something that they really haven't had. And he, and he showed it. He knows what it is takes to win games he was that spark for the Miami Dolphins both at the beginning and at the end at some parts in the end of the season I think you could say he was the spark for and fill in the blank and you have about 15 teams to choose from 
I think that's ab- that's absolutely right. And I think he can be that spark for for the Philadelphia Eagles just to get that culture back in this rebuild season. I think you know I'm going back to should they take a quarterback sixth overall? Sixth overall. You, if you love a guy, you got to take him, and I've said that many times. So I think on you know what February nineteenth. That's when we're recording this podcast. It's not a definitive. They should take a guy. They shouldn't take a guy. Because there was a time, uh, I believe nine years or so ago, they really did like a guy in the middle rounds. And they got too cute. They thought they could possibly wait to the fourth or fifth. And he won in the third. Sean, do you know who that quarterback that they decided to pass on because they thought that they could maybe sneak in him later in the draft. Hit me with it. Russell Wilson, who's now had a pretty, pretty good career. So if you have a conviction about a guy, if you really love a guy, you got to take him. I absolutely agree. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't take a quarterback. I'm just saying from what I've seen, if I'm in Harry Rosen's position, I'm leaning not to do so. But and then again, you have to look at who's available. So... You know, if a guy like Zach Wilson's available, that may change your thinking. I don't think he will be. If a guy like Justin Fields is available, that may change your thinking. I don't know if he will be. Trey Lance probably will be. And I think at that point, I'm saying probably not. I, I think I'll, I like what I, you know, I, I'd rather not take that chance with him. But I think Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, if they're there, that's a more intriguing conversation but I, and, and made it more tempting, but I'm still kind of leaning towards rebuilding the rest of that team up. No, I agree. And again, as I was saying, February 19th, they haven't, uh, they haven't completed their evaluation process. We don't even know who's going to be available at number six overall. But if I had to make a prediction of what they will do, I think they're going to ride with Hurts. And I think it's great. I think they should sign a veteran like a Fitzpatrick or, I don't know, I know maybe not a veteran, but I think like a Jacoby Brissett, someone of that nature, I think could be good. Because I think, yeah, healthy competition for a young quarterback instead of just handing him over the job, I think could be really beneficial for his development. I like what I saw from, again, very small sample size. I believe it was really just four, four and a half games of, you know, of Jalen Hurts. And you can't really base, you know, good or bad. You can't base, you know, determine if a guy's going to be good or bad based on four and a half games. But I do, I do like what I said. I definitely think there's a lot there that you can mold, that you can work with, that you can develop. Also, keep in mind, let's say that pick next year from the Colts, and I know it's an if, becomes a first. Now, all of a sudden, you have two firsts, you have a third. Or, sorry, not, I guess you want to have a third because the third is this year. But you have two firsts. You now do have draft ammo that if Hurts doesn't work out and you do like a quarterback next year, you do have the opportunity to possibly trade up if, let's say, he was fine and you were an okay team, but you don't think he's the answer. So, again, we're in the middle of February. I don't think the Eagles are going to take a quarterback. I think they're going to ride with Hurts. I think they might add some healthy competition to the quarterback room. And, no, I'm not talking about Nate Sudfeld. I think we we – I think every every person in America except the Eagles knew what Nate Sedfeld was in on January third. We we know what we knew what you had in Nate Sedfeld, Philly. 
poor Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> I do, I do think that uh, I think they're gonna take a uh, best player available because they do have so many other needs. You know, outside the quarterback position, you know, they could take a Jamar Chase. They could take a Micah Parsons, even a Patrick Sertan to pair with Darius Slay. So there's a lot of options you can go with the sixth pick. I also think you know, training back could be an option, you know, to accumulate more picks. You know, I've always, I love, I think trading back, you know, if you don't need a quarterback, I never think trading back should be taken off the table. Obviously, they're I'm not saying you trade back no matter what, but I definitely think, if you have a top five to six pick, especially in a court, in a quarterback class, it's really good. This is a very good quarterback class. There are a lot of different varieties of quarterbacks. And if you're not planning on taking a quarterback, I definitely think trading back is a way that you should seriously consider. Any team in the top five to six, even really top ten, I definitely think trading back you should seriously consider. I also think we could see three quarterbacks in the top five. And, again... It is February 19th. I don't know who those quarterbacks are. But if I had to guess, they would be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. I think, again, Shai, as you were saying, like if one of those quarterbacks were available at six, okay, maybe you change your mind and wait, you didn't expect this guy to be here. But again, I expect three of the top five picks to be quarterbacks at this point in time. So... I don't, I don't think there's going to be that guy that Philly will fall in love with at six. So I do think they end up opting to take a take a player at a different position, whether that is to upgrade a defense that's taken multiple steps back uh, from a few years ago or supporting your young and potential up-and-coming quarterback. I think either is a more probable route to go. But again, on February 19th, I don't think you can say they should or should not take a quarterback. It's all going to come down to the evaluation process and how they stack up these quarterbacks compared to Jalen Hurts. Because I think, you know, you're going to you're gonna scout Trey Lance and Max Jones and Justin Fields and, you're, and Zach Wilson, the entire quarterback class. But then you also have to compare, okay, what are these guys compared to Jalen Hurts? So I think that that's kind of the mindset and the process that Philly should be uh, should be going over during these next two and a half months or so. Yeah, I think we we've agreed pretty much thus far uh, that that's those are going to be some interesting situations to watch, both on the side of the Indianapolis Colts and on the side of the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're done with your analysis, Alex, I'm ready to move on to the other big trade that's maybe not as, uh, you know, current. We, we didn't have a chance to make a podcast on it. But well, we did. We made a podcast that day. So the Stafford trade, I remember we were talking about Stafford that deal, that day, that day excuse me. And about an hour after we wrap up the podcast, news breaks that, oh, well, Stafford's been traded to the Rams. You know, it would have been nice if maybe that was if that trade had been broken about, what, an hour, hour and a half earlier. (laughs) But I actually, I really like this trade for the Lions. And as a refresher, the Detroit Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams in return for two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff. And I know people are saying, oh, they had to get another first-round pick for taking on the Goff contract. Goff is not a bad quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but I almost feel like, you know, he had that great 
kind of two-year stretch. You know, they they went to the playoffs in a bit of a surprising season. Then they went to the Super Bowl. They lost. And it hasn't been great from there. And I feel like there are a lot of people who may have overhyped golf during that two-year that two-year period. And because he got so hyped up that he started being calling, he was then called overrated, which I think at that point in time was a fair assessment. But I think he's been called overrated so much that I think he might be underrated at this point. Am I crazy to think that? You're not crazy to think that. I just disagree with you. (laughs) Again, am I going to say he's a top 12 quarterback? No. But is he is he maybe around league average? I think he might be around a league average quarterback. If you want to say he's not 16, he's 18 or 19. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can agree with you there. But I think he's right around, right in that area of league average. Yeah, I'd probably put him a little bit in more in the 20s uh, area. I'm not as high on Jared Goff as you are. You know, and and I think the Lions, you know, they had a, they they had there was a fine trade for them, and I think it was a good trade for both sides. Really, I think that the, first of all, from the Rams' point of view, and Pete, and if you're from the perspective that the Rams gave up, you know, way too much, two first round picks, and Jared Goff, and a third rounder, I I I just simply don't think that's the case. I think. One, you get rid of the contract. That's obviously helpful. Of two first-round picks, the Ra- the Rams consistently have done a good job of finding talent in the later rounds of the draft. And they're they haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff in 2016. They're going to go from 2016 to I believe 2024 without a first in in that stretch. Their next first-round pick will be 2024 because this year. The first-round pick that they're losing isn't even in this trade. It's the Jalen Ramsey trade. So the two first-round picks that are in this trade are 2022 and 2023. Yeah. Just to clarify. Right. So I'm not super worried at the loss of first-round picks. I can see why one might be. I'm not super worried about it. And you look at the rest of this team, you've got, you know, your pretty good situation, a pretty good ideal situation to compete. And you have to ask yourself this question. Given that defense, given that running game, given the weapons in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, you know, and a Van Jefferson, you know, that came out a little bit late, do you guys, like, do you think, do the LA Rams think that you're a quarterback away? And in my opinion, I think they were. I think Jared Goff, you know, is a solid quarterback, probably in the 20s for me, maybe like 25. I'm not very high on him, frankly. I don't think he's going to bring you a Super Bowl. I simply do not. And you're tied down to him financially. I think bringing in a guy like Matthew Stafford, who is on a decently reasonable contract, who you're not tied... It's like decent. I think it's a two-year, $43 million left on the deal. That's that's more than decent, Shy. It's, a, it's, a, it's extremely reasonable. Almost a steal, I would say. And you're and also, you know, you're not tied down from a long period of time. If things don't work out, if he continues to sustain injury, um, then you know, you're not you can, you know, can move on. I think it's just a really great fit for Stafford. I think this Rams team is gonna be really, really very good. 
and I think they could easily come out of the NFC next year. Um, and from the quickly from the Lions side, I think taking on the Jared Goff contract isn't great, and that's the main reason I'm not a huge fan of this. But you do get two first round picks and a third, and you're not exactly and there you know after a couple of years, there there is a. I don't remember how many years, but there is a way out to just to, to financially just be done with your job and to cut it if that's what needs to happen. And let's think about it. You're not like a year or two away for the Detroit Lions. You're more like four, five years away. And that's why, but no, that's exactly why I like this trade for Detroit. Because you take on the golf contract. I mean, I, I guess you, what, you might franchise tag or try to bring back Holiday. But other than that, what big contracts are you going to want to sign over these next two to three years? It's not like it's going to hinder you from doing that much on the free agent market because you are going into a multi-year rebuild. You're trying in a rebuild. You try to accumulate as many picks as possible, and you get two firsts and a third. I really think they maximized. I, I think they maximized Stafford's value. I really do. And for the Rams, I do like the. I like this trade. I don't, you know, I do like this trade for the Rams. I do think they did upgrade at quarterback in a pretty significant way. I've been a huge Stafford fan for, I feel like, as long as, you know, he's been in the league. Stafford is has been incredibly underrated, has incredible arm talent, and is a huge upgrade. And I think he will thrive in Sean McVay's system. I actually put, you know, if I'm making MVP odds, I think Stafford, he's not at the top, but I definitely think... You know he could he's could be a really good pick for MVP this upcoming season. So I do like this trade for the Rams, but I think it's also such a great trade for Detroit because of what they're trying to do. Do I again? You know you make you make some cuts, you get under the cap. Again, the golf trade. You're obviously trying to win. You know you're not tanking, you're not losing on purpose, but at the same time. You're rebuilding. You're trying to accumulate as many picks as possible so you can win down the road. That's why I like this trade for Detroit because I think, I think it, you know, capitalizes on value and it makes sure you're you're, you're in a rebuild. You're in a rebuild. You're trying to accumulate as many picks as possible. I think that's a very fair assessment of it. I think we both agree that it's a pretty solid trade for both sides. You know, establishing the Rams as Super Bowl contenders once again. And then, you know, having getting those assets for Detroit, you know, I think obviously I think taking out Jared Goff contract isn't ideal. But as you mentioned, in the situation they are in, it's really not the end of the world. So I think. Do you, do you think they get two firsts and a third, though, if they don't take on the Goff contract? Absolutely not. What do you think they get? Do you think they only get the one first and third? I think that's probably it. I think they probably get the one first and a third. That's probably what the, the price would be. So in my mind, you get an extra first for a contract that yes, it's big, but you can get out of it after two years if it if golf really continues to decline. So, I think getting that extra first is worth taking on the golf contract because golf is still young. You still can see what you have in golf. And remember, the Lions' new general manager Brad Holmes was was with the Rams before becoming the new general manager of the Lions. 
and he was a he was a huge part in drafting Jared Goff. He was a big Jared Goff fan when Goff was coming out of a uh, Cal, you know, in college. So I think you know Brad Hand, Brad Hand, Brad Holmes knows kind of knows Goff. So I I think it's a really good first move for Brad Holmes, and I actually really like what the Lions are doing. I also like really like that coaching staff that they assembled. So look, it's again February nineteenth. Off season's barely started. Free agency's still about a month away. But again, I think the Lions, with the coaching staff they've assembled, Dan Dan Campbell definitely has of the assistant coaches that they put around Dan Campbell. I actually think, Shy, that the Lions might be an early winner this off season. Now obviously we have to see what other teams what other teams do what the Lions continue to do. But I like the Lions maybe an early off-season winner just because of what they're trying to do and their and the place they're in in kind of the rebuilding-slash-winning cycle of things. No, I think they did a great job. Their general manager hire, their coordinator hire seemed very, very good. And they seem like in their head in the right direction of this rebuild. It reminds me a little bit of the Miami Dolphins just a couple years this ago. This is not a two-year rebuild, though. This is not a two-year rebuild, but I just think in terms of trending the right way, uh, I, I, I really I really do like uh, in what direction they're going. Both of these teams, I think, uh, improved from this trade. Yeah, and if, if you're the Rams, you have, you know, you had a chance to go for it, and they went for it. They're aggressive. We know less need, and that Rams organization likes to be aggressive, likes to make moves, you know, he likes to make these type of moves. So, you know, continuing to not have draft picks. So, Shai, I guess, do you have any last thoughts on this trade before maybe we talk about some other um, minor moves? No, I think we pretty much covered it. All right, so now let's talk about... So now uh, I'm going to kind of move, and Shai, you can chime in after. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt obviously got released by the Houston Texans. And for the people that said, oh, they granted J.J. Watt's release, but or release slash departure, but they're not granting Deshaun Watson's request for a trade. It's two totally different things. These are two totally different, almost opposite ends of the spectrum situations. So to compare these two players in their in their contract situations and what they mean to the to the organization the team that it's just not it's just not fair so i the the texans one way or another had to uh depart with jj watt he was owed 17 and a half million dollars this you know this upcoming year there would have been there was no dead cap hit for a trade or cut to be made uh, they ha- This is a team that has cap problems. They have contract problems. They have. They don't have any draft picks. <laughs> so, obviously, in an ideal world, you probably you want to trade them. And there are reports that Houston did get some calls regarding JJ Watt's availability. But again, when you factor in the contract, I just don't think Houston would have gotten that much value for JJ Watt for that $17.5 million cap hit. This way, J.J. Watt, you know, 
it's kind of a mutual parting of the ways, and he can go on and find a new home. Right now, it took him like maybe Cleveland, the Bills, Green Bay are the leading suitors for him. I still think J.J. Watt can make an impact, but he's not the same guy that that three-time defensive player of the year that he once was. Yeah, I agree. I think J.J. Watt is a guy that is going to come in and, and, and produce right away, be that veteran presence on the defensive line. And I think even just a new home, a change of scenery for J.J. will make him play a little bit better. And I think that sometimes happens with these vets that change, you know, have a change of scenery. They sometimes come in, uh, you know, feeling, you know, more invigorated, you know, especially with uh, with, with, a, with a, a winning, more competitive team. So I think he can certainly make a huge impact for a team in a short period of time because I do think he's certainly declining, has struggled with injury issues. And I think, but I do think when he's going to go to a team, he's going to make a big impact um, I like, you know, as possible landing spots. You know, I think I would love my Steelers to make a run at him. I don't know how likely that is, just in terms of the cap situation. Um, and frankly, I think if that was was going to happen, we'd be getting more buzz about it. And I, but I, I really, I really don't know. I think a team like the Packers, that hometown connection, as you mentioned, certainly makes sense. The Bills could for sure use him on, as a presence on their defensive line, which has been a solid part of their defense, but has not been the strength upon which that defense is built. It's really built on those linebackers and on that secondary. So I I do think those are like the three big spots for me. I think Cleveland's a possibility, but I I, I don't. You know, know how uh, Olivia Vernon's a free agent, so it's really who's going to line up opposite side of Miles Garrett. Again, I just want to kind of re- reiterate: the Texans had to move on from JJ Watt. Carrying that seventeen and a half million dollar figure just wasn't going to happen. In an ideal world, yeah, you get some value, you get something for him in a possible trade. But look, we can criticize Houston for a whole bunch of things. Releasing JJ Watt should not be one of them. Yeah, and I think it's the, the the right thing to do by J.J. He dis- doesn't want to be there anymore. They're going through a rebuild. He's done so much already for that franchise. I I think it's just to let him choose his new destination, his new home, really give him that sense of that fresh start to go into this free agency and you know navigate it as he so chooses is really the best thing to do for both sides. So that's kind of J.J. Watt. And then, Shai, I also wanted to talk about Sam Darnold. As it, it seems like now with Stafford, the Stafford slash golf trade, the Wentz trade, it almost seems signs are pointing to possibly Darnold being the next major domino to fall. You know me. I'm a big – I still think Darnold has the talent to be a very to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. But he has to go to the right situation. I actually think, like, if he were to go to Chicago, I don't think much would change. Could he get slightly better? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think he would get, you know, incredibly better and catapult himself into the top, into the maybe the top half or 16 to 20 range, which I definitely think he's capable of doing. I, I really put out the Colts as that team that can remake 
and revive Sam Darnold and kind of bring his career back from the dead almost. But now that the costs obviously are not no longer in the quarterback market, I, I like the Niners. I think the Niners are that team that I think if they made a play for Darnold, I think Shanahan getting his hands on Darnold can do some really creative things with Darnold to kind of get him going, get you know get the ball out quick to guys like Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, and I think Darnold could really thrive in a situation like San Francisco. But if he were to go to a, again a situation possibly like Chicago, I think there could be some upgrade in play, but I don't think it would make, you know, that much of a difference if he went to a better place like, you know, like San Francisco or even I think Carolina could be a massive upgrade for him. For sure. I I, I think San Francisco could be inter- an interesting one. If I'm the Niners, I'm kind of thinking more about a guy with more upside that I can groom behind Jimmy G and I and I don't know if Sam Darnold's that guy I think I probably prefer Trey Lance given his athleticism and his potential if he's there at number 12 um I and I and I think Darnold only has one year left on his contract as well so he has one year but he also not including the fifth year option so a team could also decide to pick up the fifth year option I I I think that's correct, but I, I may be wrong. But I think in a, in a scenario of a trade, I think that may, uh, somewhat affect the fifth year option. I don't know if it voids it or not, but that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but I I think and the team that I think what I would love to see Sam Darnold go to, besides my Steelers, which is not going to happen, is the New England Patriots, and it's. Interesting because they're in the same division, and you can't imagine the Jets trading Sam Donald, despite the struggles he's had in the, in the Jets situation, to the New England Patriots. But I think somehow, if the Patriots are willing to give up, you know, the appropriate draft compensation, which probably would be a second and a third, you know, or something to get the to get the Jets, you know, interested enough to to pull the trigger on that, that could be a really good fit. I think. You know, going into that system with Josh McDaniels, another kind of uh, short passing kind of scheme, you know, I think that could be really, really good for Sam Darnold to get his mind right. Because a lot of what was happening in uh, in New York is what kind of the whole seeing ghosts thing. I know that was kind of a meme, kind of a joke. But when quarterbacks lose their confidence, when they when they aren't reading coverages correctly, they they you know they see ghosts that's what happens they they essentially you know make the wrong reads make the wrong throws but we've seen the glimpses of Sam Darnold we've seen the good what he can do so i think if a if a situation like new england with josh mcdaniels who can kind of change that processing that's for sam darnold i think that could be tremendous i think Kyle Shanahan offers that as well i just think new england with their with how quarterback needy they are I think that could be really interesting. Not super likely, Alex, but I just I, I think it's a very interesting uh, proposition. And I also think, although I think you know, new coaching staff, I think he might have a good relationship with them. I also feel like it's similar to the one situation in the sense that the relationship between him and maybe the Jets organization has just kind of run run its course. It might not, you know. I know it's new people, but it might just be a situation where 
going to a new team and getting that breath of fresh air, I think would be very beneficial for him as it was for Carson Wentz. So, Shy, if you're a team looking to trade for Darnold, what are, what are you putting the price at? A second, a third, a third plus, a second plus? Because I think, as you said, there are plays, I feel like, one or two plays a game where you look at and say, and say most quarterbacks can't do that. That's raw talent. That's something that we can build off of, and it just seems like the Jets were never, never able to do that, and I feel like there are teams out there that definitely can. So what do you put his price at? Or If you're a GM, what are you willing to trade for him? I put, I'd say a second seems a little rich for me. Uh, that's my humble opinion. Um, I think I put it around a third, third plus range. Would you do a late second? I think it depends on your need. Like a mid to late. Uh, so let's bring up Chicago. You know, and again, I don't know if Chicago would be the right fit, but let's just bring up Chicago for the sake of this argument. They have the twenty. They have. The 20th pick of the first round, and I'm assuming it's either the 20th or around the 20th pick of the second round. Where if Would you trade that second round pick? Because it's not a high second round there, but it's kind of that mid to low second round. Would you trade that pick for Darnold? You know, it depends on what the Chicago Bears look like after free agency. And that's, you know, you can say that for all these teams. You might not have that luxury, though. You might not have that luxury to wait. That's true. You may not... You may not have that luxury, but when I look at the Chicago Bears team, I'm thinking that a quarterback could be in play at number 20 in the first round, Alex, and a guy like Mac Jones. Who says they're not doing that? And I almost like that as, you know, equally as good of a prospect as as, as Sam Darnold. I think you kind of, he's more seen of stable for me. Uh, provides that floor, and I think the Chicago defense is good. They they've shown the the ability to run the ball. They just need to get some offensive linemen and some receivers in there around a, a solid quarterback. So, I'm I think that second round pick can be very valuable in other aspects. So I would say if you're feeling like Sam Darnold can come in, be that guy for the future. You 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 can make Bears that aren't trade. waiting for the future though. Not not Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. If they don't succeed this year, they're out, they're out the door. So chances are, Pace, some of his motives, you know, Ryan Pace, the general manager, some of his motives will be geared towards how can we win in 2021? That's an excellent point. And to that, I would say, on my conclusion, they don't do that because Sam Donald is a guy that's going to need some time. And... I think throwing him in to Chicago and giving him the keys, that's not, as you said, that's not that's not something I'm willing to do for a second. For a third, I think I'm definitely more willing to do that and perhaps inclined to do that. But I do think a second-round pick is valuable. They can use that to address their offensive line, bring in a receiver in this deeper receiving class. I think it's better to bring in a veteran free agent, perhaps, or, you know, possibly take a quarterback like Mac Jones in the first round. So, I mean, and, and also there's a prospect of if Mitchell Trubisky comes back, how much better or worse will he be than Sam Darnold? And I think arguably Mitch Trubisky could give you a better chance to win now than Darnold. 
we'll see. You know, I threw out Carolina, just kind of throwing out teams. And I feel like the more I think about it, I think Donald and Carolina could be actually pretty fun with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Joe Brady calling the shot to offensive coordinator. I think Carolina could be actually a very fun place for a guy like Donald or any quarterback for that matter. So, Shy, as we wrap up the podcast here, do you have any kind of last thoughts? We're starting to see some cuts come in. You see Deshaun Jackson getting released, K1 Short, Trey Boston. I'm sure we'll see some more bigger names as we get closer to free agency. Obviously, Broncos have a big decision coming with Von Miller and his $18 million option. Do you have any more thoughts on any of these big blockbuster trades we've seen so far that cannot become official until March 17th, but they are agreed to, I should say? Yeah. For one, the Von Miller thing, I think he's probably out of Denver. That's a bigger conversation, but I think that's just a thought that I have. I think that their relationships probably had run its course and they're probably in rebuild mode as well similar to kind of a jj watt kind of scenario maybe the relationship isn't as sour perhaps they'd look to do a little sign and trade or something like that which doesn't really happen a ton in the nfl or tag and trade but um i think we could see some tag and trade with galladay possibly alan robinson i think we could definitely see some tag and trade candidates especially at the receiver position hmm and then lastly, back to what you were saying about the Carolina Panthers, I think that's going to be a very interesting quarterback room and a good one to learn from. I think Teddy Bridgewater, although we saw him be a little more reckless for the football this last year and Matt Rule's offense, I think he can be the perfect guy to help groom a young quarterback, to help sit behind him for a year. A guy like Sam Darnold, you know, he, he didn't, traditionally Bridgewater's the guy that just makes the read make it on the short pass. I would just say if they go after Sam Donald, I could see them parting ways with Bridgewater. I think they, I could see Bridgewater staying if they draft a quarterback. But I think if they trade for one, we've seen that there, we've seen reports that they're going to be uber aggressive for Deshaun Watson. I think if they trade for one or maybe sign one, I think that could spell the end for Bridgewater as soon as this year. I, I'm not, I'm not ruling that out. I just think that if it were me, I think Bridgewater, Bridgewater could be an interesting guy to learn from uh, as a young quarterback. So that's going to do it for this edition of Game Time Podcast with your host, Shai Dweck. I'm Alex Rubinson. We'll see you next time on Game Time Podcast.